You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. I want to also start off with an apology. Um, uh oh. A few months ago, I made some comments. This was actually last year about the sport of hockey and how it wasn't a sport. It was the comments were jokingly, but and we'll talk about this later on in the show. So I don't want to get too into it. But last night, I witnessed the greatest hockey game of all time, a women's Olympic hockey game. That was the greatest hockey game I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm so excited to talk about hockey. I never thought I'd say that. So I wanted to, to Teddy Gelman and Eric Allen, Eric Siglu, shout out to that. I want to give you guys an apology because I don't, I'm like very, and especially with the Flyers doing so well now, eyeing the Washington Capitals now for that first seed. But anyways, I did a little bit of research. This That's is fine. You know, just throw that in there. Just, I wanted to throw that in there, but I'll definitely be keeping up with it, and I cannot wait to talk about that gold medal game last night, 80 plus minutes and a penalty shootout. And my girl, Jocelyn, I'm so sorry. This is just the greatest like sporting event I've seen in the last like week or two. It's, it's, it's and the greatest hockey game I've ever seen. So I just wanted to say that to you guys. That's fabulous. I'm so excited yeah. to hear that. When you put, when you had. No- I was really worried that your apology was going to be something bad. No, it's The not. way you came in, you came in kind of somber and you're like, I'll just, I'll just say it off the Rain top. on my face. And I was it's like, what did he Cloudy do? outside. What happened? <laughs> No, that's that's really amazing. Then you, you apologize for it. There's yeah. no reason to apologize. I, sl- I slander for hockey all the time on Twitter. I don't. I have to. I have to apologize for that. I have to apologize for it. Blue Hen Sports Cage on ninety one point three WVUD. Uh, what can we talk about right now? Our new video series, One and One, a good one out. Jake in the mid, walking on the green, side by side. It was a good if one. If there's any apology I should issue, it should be for that and how long that <laughs> took. About meeting boxed out because every other step I take, Ahmed's trying to battle for position like he's going out for a rebound but the end video was good it was great. i liked it so definitely check that one out yeah it was very solid we were trying to get those up for the rest of this season uncaged also out this week yeah. for those who haven't listened what can they expect um there's a little bit of all-star chatter we talked about jimmy butler fergie donald trump your usual suspects oprah and oprah Oprah's oprah made on the, the show news. Yeah. if you want to and uh, shout out oprah. to nick delaglio he was our special guest for the week so we are in full force here. We're getting very close now towards a very exciting trip where we will be heading to South Carolina for the men's basketball tournament. We're officially booked. Unfortunately, Brandon will not be joining us. Boo. But <laughs> yeah. the three of us will be Poor going. Me, you know, working six days a week. I was going to say, so. it's going to be so nice down in Charleston, but it was just like 70 for the last two days here in Delaware. So it's probably not going to be Hopefully at least 70 down there in Charleston, yeah. but we can hope for the best. Yeah, we got we. This may not have been a smart decision, but we're gonna hope for the best. We're going to drive ten hours because I keep getting nine. I don't know how you guys get ten. Nine and nine and uh, forty-five. Nine f- fifty. That. So we can <laughs> we can make it like four, depending on how fast we want to drive. Yeah, three hours on a good day, the only no traffic. Are yeah, up here, Teddy. Yeah. We got, and, we, well, and the cops. We have experience with uh, <laughs> driving too fast on trips, so be oh, okay. careful. And. Learning through these last few weeks that the Charleston airport is only active during the day. Engineer Dave McKenzie really helped us through this. Really? That, that this airport is only active during the day. So what that means yeah. is that if you're trying to travel at a different time, A, you're screwed. Or B, <laughs> or B you're going to get stuck well, going to Chicago or somewhere else just to yeah. go yeah, as a man, South I Carolina. Learned last year, during the day, and also they're also open at like 5 a.m. So I guess um, that's what you mean from like 5 a.m. to literally, yeah. We took... The shortest flight of my life from Charleston to Charlotte, yeah, and then from Charlotte. Back oh, to I, I didn't wait. I didn't realize you guys had a, a layover last year. Yeah, yeah well, did, did they layover, even... we actually went like the plane dropped us off. We went to another terminal and hopped right back on. It the was plane. supposed to be the same plane, actually. Originally. It was the yeah. same plane. It just, yeah, we just had and then we look up and, off at a different and homegirl says to uh, Kansas City, and we're like, we're getting out of here. <laughs> did they even finish like telling you like the safety features of the no, plane before you landed? No, the sign never went off for like Greensboro to like. Philadelphia, I don't think it ever did. Yeah, and then the Charlotte yeah. flight was not long either. Charlotte flight was not long either, yeah. yeah. So it was we, nice. We, we got to see the Carolinas. The North Carolina airport, very nice. And the Charleston setup's really nice. You guys yeah. are going to have a lot of fun. And we, we, we've, got, we've got the same hotel as last year. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a walk to the uh, arena, which is pretty cool. There's a there, You sent an email, or we got credentials and all that, and they, they were given a special for the... Hotel, I don't know if you saw that or not. Well, they have a special. They <laughs> yeah. Ha- yeah, of course, it's, well, I, I hope, I, it's already booked. <laughs> I booked it. Yeah. Okay. I booked it. Uh, yeah. There's a special for media members. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we don't know exactly what time the yeah. men's team is going to play, but it's going to be some time on that first Saturday in March. And mm-hmm. these next two games will really shore out where they are. 
but we're officially booked. It is not this Saturday. It's the next Saturday. So we're excited for that. Obviously, it would be great if it was right in our backyard, but we got to make the trip, see what they could do in the, the tournament. Are you guys going to be putting out any extra content while you're down there, anything that people should have their eyes on, aside from the game broadcast? I mean, I'd love to get some behind-the-scenes of, of you know, setting up and just the – we you made a very fantastic video last time of us. It's still floating around YouTube. So maybe some behind-the-scenes action. Um, the man's uh, just going to take a bunch of boomerangs and put them together. And maybe something like that, yeah. uh, slow-motion clips. Uh, maybe some pictures or something to help out Teddy. I know you'll be writing for the review also while you're down there. So um, whatever way I can make myself useful. Um, I know Teddy will be – doing all the games that when I say all with an asterisk because it might just be one game so <laughs> optimistic um, here we'll, we'll see how that goes but yeah anyway I can make myself useful as far as behind the scenes I'll definitely be doing that and you said last year that there are facilities down in Charleston oh, and it, it's very friendly for media friendly, members yeah. correct is that it is a yeah. good way to mm-hmm. phrase it yeah I don't even think we paid for food that much well they, they covered food I know we're going uh-huh. you know some things weren't reimbursed but <laughs> No, it was, it was cool. They they provide food. They're friendly. You know, um, guys are always walking around. They gave us tablets. I don't think we ever used them, but no. they gave us tablets for the games. They were they were pretty nice. Hey, we're excited for it. It's next Saturday, so it's the beginning of March, Saturday, March 3rd. And as of now, the Blue Hens men's basketball team sits second to last, and tonight they play the team that sits in last. Well, actually, they're tied in terms of the CIA record, but Delaware has a better overall record. So, The Blue Hens could either be playing at 4 o'clock on Saturday, 6.30 on Saturday. And this team is, they got to win. Who was on the call on on that game? Jake, were you on a call of that game on... When they, when they won, I did the Elon game on, yeah. when they won the, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. they they finally turned it around. Yeah, Daly, I, Daly was good, right? Yeah, Daly had I believe twenty two. Carter had eleven and eleven. Uh, it was it was a good game. It was what we kind of expected in the first um, half at least. For the, yeah, it was the, well the second half. It was just bad all around basketball because of right. the score. It, was, it, it kind of had to rush, but the Delaware defense played well. They shut down. Um, I believe it was uh, Tyler Seabrig who was co-CAA Player of the Week for Elon, who was their really big scorer. And he had a very quiet 22, but they shut him down shooting-wise for shooting percentage. But more importantly, their two Towson games, they were the one that was uh, the Thursday before that, and uh, then a week b- before that when they came to the Bob Carpenter Center were two very close basketball games. So I think in their mind, the Blue Hens think that if they happened to get Towson one way or another in the CAA tournament, they'd be pretty comfortable playing up against them. It was good to break that that losing streak that they had accumulated. They just couldn't buy a win after. So you guys were you guys did that Towson game. We did both Towson Thurs- games on yeah. Thursday when it definitely appeared that on Thursday Ryan Allen got hit as he was going up. It would have I think they were down by two at that Correct. point. Yeah, he, had, he would have had to hit he three to had win, three two to tie to win. Yeah. Then they lost the game against Towson, which I assume they played better in since they were at least close against him. Yeah, I think the. A little bit better. Than yeah, did, yeah, the the quality of game didn't really differ. Uh, I think one without Ryan, the one without Ryan Daly, the first game that they played up against Towson, when Towson came here to the Bob Carpenter Center, was a really good showing by Ryan Allen and Anthony Mosley. Ryan Allen had ten of the team's eleven to start the game, but I think this one with Ryan Daly back kind of had a more unified team, and I think Inglesby was a little more um, open to bringing in the the bench. Not given that I don't he know didn't. About oh, that. I mean, well, no, Daly he, he rotated more. He definitely, even with Daly back, he still took those three players off the bench. Uh, not yeah. expecting with like, when yeah, I, I expected Daly like the, to come in. The Cushing, Johnson, like Walker, like yeah, those they guys all are they all now. still played uh, yeah. when Daly came in. It wasn't like when Daly came in, like Walker never saw the floor. He didn't True. see it as much, right? But, but he's still in the, yeah, he in the he, he he still made it, which is great for the team that now with Daly in, they still can go three deep into the bench. Uh, Jacob Cushing actually did look good in that game. He yeah. had. A, Really good defensive effort and a, a couple uh, clutch threes there. So the team looks good. I like the their look against Housen and an even better look against Elon. Yeah, I think Cushing's been playing better. He's still not a, like an impact player. He's definitely not a starter, but he's giving you something off the bench, which they haven't had for a while. I just think Ryan Daly makes all the difference in the world. I, at the game against Elon, it's, it's a night and day difference between what they are with him and what they are without him. I thought he played very well in that game. He's just he's, like... It's kind of cliche, and you know sometimes we throw these praises out there, and it's not really true. But this guy has such a high motor, and he really does beat people with effort. I don't know if he beats a lot of guys with talent. Sure, he's a great shooter. 
And but I really think it's just that he's in on every board. He's pushing the ball up the floor. He's coming hard off screens. And not everybody does that, especially on Delaware's team, you know. You see a lot of soft screens. You see a lot of just rotation of the ball around the perimeter. But when Ryan Daly's in there, there's a whole different energy that comes to, you know, through him to the team. And it, it rubs off on the rest of the team. And I thought you saw that a lot against Elon. I was curious as to why he was in the game for so long with such a big lead, but He's obviously the heart and soul of this team, and I think we talked about it a lot at length last week, Teddy. How big of a difference does Ryan Daly make? Can they win games in the tournament with him? Well, he looked like the the Ryan Daly we know on Saturday, and I think that gives you that sense of confidence back when we talk about what's going to happen in March, that this team can win a couple games with Ryan Daly in tow, the way he looked on Saturday, and he really makes a big difference. I also caught up with him after the game against Elon, and I kind of asked him, like, how you feeling? How's the injury getting over and he's like I feel like he didn't say I feel great but he said I feel fine I'm getting better day by day it's feeling better he said nothing was really slowing him down nothing was holding him back and you can see it on the court he went down uh with about three or four minutes into the first half he went down hard uh off a block and what looked like to be a really hard injury he just popped back up kept on running uh even against Towson he got hit uh Really don't know where in the head, but the team had to pull him off and look at him a little bit. And he came back in. The team said he was good to go, and he dropped like the next four points when he came into the right. game. So he looks good. But I think the big thing that this men's basketball team is kind of looking at is like I think Eric Carter's kind of finding his position on the team because the team is not that he was lost before that, but the team's kind of finding that swing it to the corner, feed it down to Eric Carter, who's getting comfortable in the post. And now that he's comfortable posting up, battling down low, and he can swing it out to a, a nice amount of shooters on the Delaware team, I think it's fitting him. Well, what two. You? There are two no, shooters you have on da- this team. I, I'm comfortable giving the ball to Daly. I'm comfortable giving the ball to Allen. Not the list stops in, there. Inside the three-point line, Anthony Mosley give it to him, well, and Anthony Mosley cut him. But Jake, oh, but you, okay. said, you shooters. said shooters. Kyrie, shooters Kyrie Walker I'm has shot well. Give it to Kyrie Walker. Kyrie Walker barely played on when, Saturday. When though. he's in, Kyrie Walker can play. I... But besides the last three games that Darian Bryant showed, he was an okay shot. These last three games, he's not he's been playing that well. Yeah, he the me, last three games, shooter, he's played terrible. Shooting over thirty five percent. I think game. to specify guys that can create their own shot, there's only two: Daly and on the perimeter. Daly and Allen are the only two guys that can create their own shot well, off the perimeter. I, I, would, I, would, I mean, would if say Jacob Mosley's Cushing is closer in the, to being able to create his own shot inside, than to be a shooter. Inside, yeah, he found Cushing twice off the post, well, almost on consecutive plays. Cushing is a guy that like you feel comfortable. He was catch and shoot. And shoot, yeah, right. he was a catch and yeah. shoot, but three. I mean, you feel comfortable with Cushing yeah. within like the last two weeks of play. He, I mean, like, he's I mean, just started hitting shots. Yeah. They need I know, him in the but last I'm not ready to anoint him as this space amount shooter. He's not. I wouldn't either. Yeah. No, great. The two shooters to me are Daly mm-hmm. and Allen, and Allen consistently. That's his biggest tool right now is just to shoot the ball. He doesn't really drive to the basket all that much. He can create off the bounce. He can get that mid range shot around the elbow, and then Daly's the do it all guy who can get inside. But he can also shoot very, very well when he's open. Mosley has got inside these last two yeah, games. But Mosley doesn't. Mos, I mean, has Mosley hit a three this year? Is a serious question. I, I, don't, I don't think, think he's. He I don't think he shot a three in the games that I've yeah. called. But he's yeah. he's hit those ten footers, those twelve footers. I like guards who shoot. I'm sorry. That's 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 another discussion there. Yeah. Um, but is two enough though? No, I, mean, I want. I don't I think they more. have two. I think they have more, but. I but think they have two. That, that's just me looking at the team. It's all a question. It's semantics. It's all a yeah. question. Yeah, they're going to play. They're both going to play thirty-nine plus minutes in the tournament. So you got two shooters. Yeah, they're not coming off the floor. Yeah, and then you got. Yeah, well, I mean, when time comes down, you're going to put the ball in there. You got Mosley who can shoot the basketball and score. Yeah, I don't think that's. It's in Daly's hands when the game. Let's be. Ride, let's obviously. be honest. Yeah. Jake, I don't want to disagree too much, but let's be honest. Kyrie Walker, Jacob Cushion. Come tournament time, these guys are relatively irrelevant. I don't, I don't think so. I, I really because how Inglesby has shown them, he has. I'm not saying he's playing them 29 minutes a game, but he has been, I would say, looser or more uh, comfortable going to the bench and pulling them in for plays here and there. He's not, he's not sitting on the bench the entire game like we've seen them. He's brought Kyrie Walker in a lot. He brought him in a lot against that Towson game uh, for plays here and there to kind of get. Uh, kind of open the floor because he's Kyrie Walker's good at pulling up. Walker's uh, played twelve minutes in the last two games combined, and that's compared to zero in the first like six games. So the, he's he's pl- getting more comfortable he, no, with he, him. He played twenty minutes. Like he has a stretch in the season out of conference play. At the end of, out of conference play he was playing around twenty minutes a game, and now he's barely getting in four minutes and eight minutes once Daly was back. Before Daly came back, he had nineteen, ten, fifteen, twenty, and twenty six. So so I think. Da- 
Teddy's point is that he might be a contributor in the middle of the season, but once we get to March and you're tightening the rotation and you're not taking Daly and Allen out of the game, does he actually really factor in? I think I think Inglesby brings him in. He's shown lighter on the uh, the rope in. I think we'll him, see. I think Sky Johnson, I think all of them are going to get more minutes. We'll see. I mean, it, it's it's based on who you like and what you've seen. And clearly, Jake, you know, you like Kyrie Walker, and that's good to have confidence well, in no, guys. I wouldn't dub it that I think Kyrie Walker's an all-star player that should be in the that's game. Not, that's not what I said. Well, no, I said you, I, like, I, you like him based I'm, on what he's played. I don't know. You're, hype, not, you're I, hyping I, him up. You're hyping I, him up. The team in general. Kyrie Walker was just the name that popped into my head. I, was, I, I would say the same exact thing that I just told you guys if the, the conversation was Sky Johnson. I would say the same thing that I just told uh, Probably not as much for Jacob Cushing because he hasn't, he hasn't played much at all. But for Sky Johnson and for Kyrie Walker, those two players are the only two out of the three bench players that have seen the game. Curtis Lochner and Rufo have not played. So I would tell you the same argument or the same supporting for any of those three guys. So not not necessarily just Kyrie sure. Walker. It's all three of them. And I would say them. back to you that when Delaware was up by 15-plus points with about four minutes to go against Elon, they still left Daly and Allen in the game. They didn't trust those guys to close it out until they were up by, like, 20 with, like, a minute and a half. And it, so, I mean, we'll see. It, one of us can't be right right now. We'll see what happens in March. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. How about we talk NBA right now? Team LeBron, 148. Team Steph Curry, 145. LeBron James, third NBA All-Star Game MVP in his time in the NBA. It was a great game, start to finish. They competed, they fought, and I guess a lot of people are wondering, what is the difference? Why was this All-Star Game better than, who knows, all of the recent games in recent memory that I can think of? Uh, money was definitely has to be won. Uh, if you're a winning team on a winning player, you get 100 k so that's up from. Was that not a thing? Uh, it was. I think it was like twenty five or fifty k. So they kind of doubled it or quadrupled it or whatever the case may be. 100K. But a uh, hundred k per person per uh, on the winning team. So everybody on Team LeBron got a hundred k. Must didn't be a nice. Lot of those guys donated to right. Like, their and then on top of that, on top of that, um, the captains uh, came together with the NBA. So the NBA Team LeBron donated three hundred fifty thousand to. Um, uh, Big Brother Los Angeles or uh, something like that. Oh, you're gonna say Big Baller? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> it's like something with Boys and Girls Club, and it's like Big Brother Los Angeles. Gotcha. And then um, e- even though uh, Team Curry lost, they still donated 100k uh, to another foundation. Um, I think in the city of Los Angeles for California or something. So, so those two uh, financial numbers alone, I think, was enough of a reason to kind of play. And then secondly, I think um, Adam Silver just. There was that meeting, obviously, with Team Curry and or Steph Curry and LeBron James. Like, look, you guys are the face, the two faces of this, you know, um, the NBA. Let's just let's give the crowd a little bit something more. And it was a little bit of a serious conversation. And LeBron and Curry were both Mike too. And before the before tip um, to everyone, he was like, "Yo, black and white, black and white. Let's play hard. Let's play hard. Let's come on now." So he was saying to not only his team but the other team, like, "Let's play hard. Like, let's go." He looked like you know it was a, like a actual regular season game. Like, let's go. So I think that they realized, the top of the NBA realized like what had to happen, and I think they executed that perfectly. Came down to a last-second um, bucket there, or a last-second miss, I should say, to, to you know win the game for Team LeBron. So I think it was a success. I, I have to apologize. I was very critical of this, this draft format. I was, Ooh, I interesting. Was, you, I guess you, you guys were in Towson, so you might not have heard this part, but... I was talk when Brandon and I were talking about it last week. I was stuck in the old days. I was stuck in the tradition. I said, you know what? I like the East. I like the West. I want those teams to go up against each other. But this was fun to watch. And it, the 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 one thing that really caught my attention that I couldn't stop thinking about that I kind of in, imagined the possibilities watching Westbrook and LeBron was incredibly interesting to watch. So just seeing some of this cross collaboration that you don't typically see among players that you would never get unless they changed conferences. I think that had a lot to do with it as well. It was interesting. It was fun. And I think it'll get better if they televise the draft, which Adam Silver, after the whole weekend, said that, yeah, we're probably going to look into doing that next year because there was so much public conversation around why isn't the draft between LeBron and Steph publicized. And in the NHL, they do a similar draft for their All-Star game and to kind of remedy the question of, okay, well, guys be insulted if they're picked last. They give the last guy, I think, like a car. Yeah. Um, so instead fun, of, yeah. um, you know, feeling like, okay, man, I'm the last pick, 
LeBron doesn't respect me, those guys kind of campaign to be the last pick because they want to get the car, and it's kind of a fun thing. So they could do something like that in the NBA if they televised the draft. Both LeBron and Curry said that they wanted to. Personally, I wouldn't be all that interested in it, but it creates this extra dynamic of kind of the chat that you might have with your friends of, like, if we're picking teams, if we're picking mm-hmm. all-star teams, if we're ranking players in the NBA, who goes where? And if I already have Steph, do I also draft Russell Westbrook, who's another point guard, or do I have to go after a Draymond to be my forward? It kind of gets you into those conversations, and you can see how LeBron and Curry, in this case, evaluate the talent. Lean LeBron saying that KD was the second best player in the league. He drafts him first. You could kind of see that unfold. Just to quickly add to that, I think Chris Weber from TNT also added a, even a better option to that is maybe do a right before tip-off. Have, you know, Jumpman make two different jerseys, a black and white, just in case you go to either or, and it's right there on the court, and you do it, and you pick it, and that's kind of... That's like a pickup game. That's a true playground pickup game, like back in the day. So I also was very intrigued by that that opportunity next year. So at the very minimum, it will be televised next year. I can almost, like, guarantee you that. How much did you guys talk about on Uncaged the social media reaction to Fergie's national anthem. Real quick. A good five minutes, okay. right? Yeah. Did you, <laughs> it, it took its time up. Did you talk about... Jake wasn't I, like... apo- I apologize. I haven't listened to it yet. Did you talk about the, wow. the, the one... I, I haven't <laughs> had a chance. Played, yeah. the, 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 the one tweet I thought was hilarious was um, that one part where she's mumbling. Banner yet wave. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, That's the, at least what she the, was trying to the say. The tweet was, it sounds like Dory trying to speak whale in Nemo. We did not oh, talk, about, talk that. about that. You didn't talk about that. That tweet did not come up in conversation. If you, if you did not, if you saw just that part of the National Anthem in isolation, you would have no idea what it was ta- what yeah. she was talking about. Really unprecedented. It was, it was a little NASCAR-ish for, for me. It was a little, like, too... I guess sexy is the word. Like, let's tone it down a little bit. <laughs> let's not. Um, it, it was people were saying it was a jazz rendition. I didn't really see any jazz in there, but yeah, it was kind of <laughs> weird. Uh, I don't think Fergie's getting that call back, but no. um, definitely one of the highlights. I'm always of the impression that if you get if you're gonna sing the national anthem, she got paid. Just sing that. it how it's been written. Why do they try but the to counter to that? Is why it's do they such try a to put a song to sing? It's musicians will tell you that it's a very challenging song compared to like America the Beautiful. Or my country tis of thee. Um, so that's why you see not always like a lot of musicians just kind of want to make it their own, which you could argue maybe they shouldn't do that. But that's why you'll see like maybe it's on the piano and it's down uh, like a key, or they you know they do different things to try to make it easier because mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of pressure to do it right. And then you get to the end of the song, those high notes. If you can't hit them, then you're going to be made fun of too. And you you gotta have to deliver. And if you're Pink or if you're Fergie, that's that's a lot of pressure on you to do it in that moment. Um, at the same time, that's your job, and you know it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty Bowl, good right? job to have. Yeah, she was sick, and she yeah. was great. Right, so that's like that's yeah. she tough. That she, she, she tough. She, she toughened up. And she made went it under on the two minutes, so a lot of people. What was for was Fergie's time? Uh, I don't oh, think they care to, for All Star game. All these long. I don't think Vegas takes for the All Star game. Took like forty minutes. I don't know what the heck that was either. Me and Jake talked about that as well. Check out Uncaged. Yep, yeah, it's online. Sitesetutil.edu slash the cage WVUD at WVUD Sports on Twitter. Uh, to the NBA, there are a few stories that have come out in the last few days. We need to talk about the Dallas Mavericks um, because this just came out late last night or a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. The allegations in a Sports Illustrated report, uh, really disturbing allegations in the workplace of of abuse, and mainly through, I'm checking my names here because I, I did read this, Terdima Usuri, their former CEO, who was who left the organization in 2016? Spent two months in Under Armour, then he left there somehow. He's he's gone there, and you'll have to check out Sports Illustrated the story. But now Mark Cuban and the Mavericks obviously under a lot of pressure to address these, and Mark Cuban has launched an an investigation. I was watching a video on Twitter this morning of Rachel Nichols from ESPN talking about this, and she posed the question saying. Hey, you know what? This firm that he has hired to investigate, he is hiring. So that's where you get in the line of when you need to be investigated, should you be hiring the people to investigate you or should somebody else? But the NBA at this point has yet to get involved. Well, when you first do it, it's an HR matter and the HR company works for like if you're working at, you know, Apple, Apple has their own HR company. That's the first steps of matter. Um, I don't know if anyone has, you know, went on their own and, and once, you know, 
to t- take things to court. And again, obviously, these allegations. But I guess to say to your first point, I think it's fine that Mark is kind of doing it his own way because he has to. And then it kind of escalates to whether you want to do state, federal, um, detectives, all that. You want your lawyers involved, your attorneys involved, all that mess or whatever. But yeah, Mark Cuban um, having a very rough 48 to uh, 48 hours to a week because he also got fined 600K also for his tanking comments. So um, he's he's got a lot of things he needs to figure out. But yeah, um, he's I guess he's had one of those one of those passes like because he hasn't really done anything wrong um in the nba he's had more or less a uh, clean slate uh to work with but this is something that i've heard has been going on for years possibly 18 years so i'm not exactly sure on the the entirety of the story but if it is true it's a bad look for mark cuban and i guess a bad year for mark cuban yeah and we'll let the investigations play out whether they be this one from cuban or ones from the nba or from Mm -hmm. stages higher than that but it seems to me like it was only a matter of time before the Me Too movement moved into the sports landscape. Within the sports media, within sports organizations themselves, they're very male-dominated, uh, especially in a sport like basketball where you're drawing a lot of former players, player, you know, people who just, if they love the game of basketball, there's a greater chance that they're a guy than they're a girl. Not to say there aren't um, women who love the sport of basketball and are involved in it and have high positions in it, but it is a male-dominated industry. And the similar dynamics to what we've seen in Hollywood with the Harvey Weinsteins and the Kevin Spaceys of the world, we're probably going to see, maybe not to the same extent, but we're going to see that crop up, I think, in sports and not just with the Dallas Mavericks. I think you'll see other stories come out, maybe not immediately, but throughout the rest of the sports landscape within the NBA and possibly outside of the NBA and other leagues. You think about maybe like the NFL even, not not to throw accusations out. I don't know if anything has happened in the NFL, but the NBA is one of the more progressive sports leagues that's out there in America right now. So if this is happening in the NBA, it's not far-fetched to think about it being present in the NFL and Major League Baseball and MLS. Not to say, again, I don't know anything about what's going on in those sports, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more things of this nature come out within the next weeks, months, and over the course of the year. I guess I'm giving Mark Cuban the benefit of the doubt here to say that he was either hopefully not involved or not aware of these situations going on. So I'm going off of that presumption if it turns out that he is and this kind of all uh, goes away. But with Mark Cuban kind of leading his own investigation, I think out of all of the NBA owners and leadership, I think Mark Cuban is going to be the is is one of them that is going to put the foot down and he's going to put the foot down hard just knowing his personality just knowing how he uh, acted through television and how he is as a the owner of the Dallas Mavericks I think that he is one of these owners that is going to make sure that it is out gone out of everything Dallas Mavericks and that it never comes back so I think that and again this is going off the benefit of that that he is not involved and he had no true knowledge of this I think that it will end up that this specific isolated situation will be resolved and will be resolved handily. Those are both very good points from both of you, Jake and Brandon. Here's my thing in processing this investigation. Mark Cuban is known as one of the owners in the NBA who is one of the more hands-on owners. He's always around his team. Isn't it hard to believe that none of these complaints, even in the slightest bit, reached him? So that's what I'm struggling. Go ahead, Brandon. Well, you could add on to that and say, even if he is unaware of them, isn't it his job to be aware? Yeah, it's of what's a saying, right? If you know, you're wrong. And if you didn't know, you're still wrong. Sure. So, yeah. One one way or another. Thank you for clarifying that. That's not clear. I'm just saying. Or you adding, take it a step adding further. in. Yeah. Yes, adding, adding in. That's a better word to use. One way or another. Y- you got to think it's odd that if this is true, that he has no knowledge of any of this. If it's true that he has no knowledge of any of this, as Jake was presuming, that may very well be the case, then I agree. It would be expected that he lays down the hammer and really goes forward with punishment, etc., whatever he needs to do. But the real question, and this is where it starts to get interesting, is if this investigation, again, this is confusing to me because he's hiring the people to investigate his own team, if the investigation finds that he is somewhat responsible for this, then we're going to get into a whole nother landscape of now the NBA is going to get involved and what's going to happen to Cuban. We're not there yet, but we may. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. We are going to talk about Delaware women's basketball right now. They sit at 16-9 and nine overall, 9-5 and five in the Colonial Athletic Association with only 
Four games to go before the CAA tournament, also in Drexel. The men's, of course, in South Carolina, but just referring to the fact that the men's game is in Drexel tonight. Jake and Amid were both on the call for Sunday's game against Charleston. A lot of things happened. First of all, for some reason, it was uh, senior day, even though they have another home game left. That's one thing I can't really explain. You made that your displeasure very clear I, in the, in the I, last week. I don't understand it. What, I don't what, either. What not the, the last game on like a weird day that they don't normally play on? Like Thursday. Thursday. Thursday night. Yeah, they don't normally play on Thursday. So they probably did it on like their normal day. Like Sunday? They do Friday, Sunday. Well, we can only hope Kirsten West, West is going to have another great game on her final day. So, final, final day. You, can you guys explain yeah, to me that's what, what happened I was with say. this? Yeah. So on the broadcast... Um, Kirsten West, first of all, a senior for the Blue Hens, she scored 18 points, career high. I'm I'm producing the game on Sunday, and Amid is doing play-by-play, and all of a sudden he's like, Kirsten West sent off, very interesting, etc. But, uh, but, but, but she was... you a WWE call? And out of nowhere... Well, we need to know what happened. We did, watch we did, out, watch out, watch out. <laughs> we didn't know, but we later learned that here she just scored a career high, right. and she just playing her second to last final home game mm-hmm. and she got ejected for taunting what did she do so basically uh fast break it was a two on one there uh Kirsten West took it up for the layup i don't know if she made it or missed it doesn't matter because it was a charge so offensive foul ball going the other way but um as the charleston college of charleston player is on the floor uh Kirsten West kind of standing over uh wasn't necessarily you know like Shaq all on top of like Charles Barkley per se but she stood there and and she kind of threw the ball into the direction of the other players and um the other college of Charleston players came to the uh, rescue of the Charleston uh individual that was on the ground and there was a little bit of pushing and shoving nothing serious but again did go to the video monitor and after further review um it's both an extensive of, extensive further, further review. review both of the took forever to five, try and five out. minutes at least yeah both yeah. of the players were ejected I believe and um I think I don't know if Teddy was a big fan of it, but I thought it was a I thought it was a heck of a way to go out. I wouldn't have um, known. I didn't know what she was, was happening. She was, uh, you didn't um, explain it well. I didn't she, know. she was dancing and she was having fun, and I, I, the game was I would say secured at that point. So it was it was it was fun. I don't. I, think I don't really have any secured, complaints. Uh, they winning by twenty five points. Six, six yeah. minutes into the first. Yeah, no, there was Charleston is six and twenty. Secured. Yeah, they, they're, the, they're the worst in the conference, right? Yeah, yeah. correct. So so they 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 destroyed them. That's a good win mm-hmm. after they. On Friday against the Dukes, they fell in what I heard was a very sloppy game, 56-53 defensive. A lot of missed shots. They shot well, you like 25%. The, yeah, you had the number in your article for the review. Yeah. Um, shout out to the review. About, I think, players not named Anabosi shot like less than 25%. I'm going to find. I'm I mean, you can't. I think you it was like twenty one point nine or something, Teddy. Yeah, I tweeted sure. out. I think there were seven made baskets between Simone DeFries, yeah. Abby Gonzalez, and Bailey Cargo. You, you're not going to win when your and, supporting cast is completely did not show. To up your point, Brandon, I think you tweeted it. That'll probably never happen again, though. Yeah, that's that so was that the was silver tweet. lining to me. Is that okay? You play James Madison again. Is Bailey Cargo going to be two of thirteen or whatever she was? Probably not. Is she going to be ten of thirteen? Probably not. Also, but yeah, if they give you more than twenty one percent, yeah, if they give you a typical performance combining that with what Anabosi did against James Madison, you have to feel. I know you don't have to, but I would feel good about their chances based off a two point loss to the best team. Well, here's the thing: even if they score twenty five percent, which is still bad, they probably win that game. I'm just I'm going like ifs, what ifs, you know, in the Mm -hmm. hypothetical here because they missed a last second shot. It was they're down three points, so even if they made one or two more buckets. They could possibly win that game overtime, whatever the case may be. But yeah, I I, I liked your tweet. Here's the stat: they sh- what did you say? Even if they scored twenty five percent, yeah. Okay, so those not named Enabosi scored thirty six points on fourteen for fifty one shooting. That's mm. that's twenty seven percent. So okay. it's, I mean, it's it, still not good. It, yeah. it, 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 no, it's not good at all. It's it's but right. They, they played better against Charleston. Yeah. They bounced back. Yeah, they got the win, and they're hanging at that point right now where they're kind of again. Not going to play in the first round of the CAA, but it's very clear that they're not one of the best. And I'm scared of this matchup. Right now, if the season ends, they're playing Northeastern in the first game. Mm. I would not feel good about that. If you're, the Northeastern has beat this team twice decisively in the Bob Carpenter Center and in Boston. That's one of the toughest matchups for Delaware. That's one of the only teams that they have not beaten. They still have to play Drexel one more time. They haven't beaten them they still have to play James Madison again. We just talked about they were close, but they couldn't beat them. Everybody else, they've beaten at least once, I believe. I would not feel good about that Northeastern matchup. But with that being said, the chances they move up to number three and surpass Elon, 
who's right now a game and a half ahead of them, probably not great based on what Delaware has left on their schedule, having to play James Madison and Drexel once more, two games that they would be favored to lose in. So it comes down to, can they make the adjustments against Northeastern for that first-round game based off what they've seen in the first two losses? A Northeastern team that is not very deep, but their top six players are very talented, and they can shoot the lights out. And the fact that in those two games against Northeastern, Anabosu scored only 12-10. and 10. If she scored say, 25, I don't like to get stuck in this, oh, well, just because she did this, she's not going to do this. But if she scored 25 and the other players just didn't show up in those games, but they shut her down in those games. Right. So that's concerning. that has a good approach against Anabosi, who's exactly. shown that they can limit what she's done, it is Northeastern. And then you combine that with what they can give you offensively in a close game, or even in a, you know, if Delaware gets a first-half lead, they can bring it right back by the way that they shoot the three ball. Uh, so that's a that's a tough first round matchup, but we'll see if they can adjust. They have William and Mary tomorrow, and that William and Mary team they they beat by what nine points last time they played them on Friday the ninth. Do either of you any of you guys remember calling that game Friday the ninth, William and Mary? Yes, I called it. What I stu- don't remember what the you, score was. <laughs> it was it was sixty eight to fifty nine. I just okay. wanted to see if you remembered how it went. But anybody no, yeah, seventeen, Lawrence twelve, DeFreeze ten. Yeah, solid. Solid defensive performance against a pretty good offensive William & Mary team that had, I believe, every player or at least four of their five players in the starting lineup averaged more than 10 points a game heading in. And to hold them to 59 was pretty impressive. Offensively, kind of the kind of a solid game. Not great, but a solid game from them. And Abosi gets her 17. Uh, I believe she also had like 17 rebounds or something like that. Um, so she had a strong game. And then the complimentary players did their thing. Jake, you'll be calling Sunday's game against the Dukes. They only, the Blue Hens only scored 53 points in that loss on Friday. And I'm just browsing through the schedule right now. That appears to be their lowest amount of scoring points. They score, Actually, no, they beat St. Bonaventure on November 29th. They scored 53 and they won. But th- this looks like... And then they beat Towson on the 14th when they scored 51. So it looks like this, is, this was their third lowest scoring game in your mind, what do they need to do differently to try to get a win on the road on Sunday? You need to uh, not poorly wording it, spread the ball out more. I think when it comes down to it, they're, they're still going to work it inside to Anabosi and let her do what she does best. But I think moving the ball to the outside and, again, hope that Bailey Cargo, Abby Gonzalez, even uh, at some points Rebecca Lawrence can put these shots up after Anabosi is probably no doubt going to get at least two on the defensive end, maybe more. We've seen teams go three, uh, and Ahmed says it all the time. If there's three guarding one player, then two players have to be open. Simple math. So if those if those two players, whether it be Gonzalez, yeah. Cargo, Rebecca Lawrence, um, even Simone DeFries, if they can just get their shots and make those shots count, then Delaware should have a fairly easy time winning this game. And, it, and it's ball movement. That triple team you talk about, that's teams playing zone defense and having their extra eyes um, down on the paint. So when that happens, you have to be able to move the ball around the perimeter and find the open player. You mentioned it. Uh, you know, if there's if there's that attention on Enabosi, somebody else will be open. They're not necessarily going to match up two people right next to her and make it that easy for you to find the open player. They're going to rotate in the zone. Delaware has to be smart with the basketball and avoid turnovers. They should have a good chance um, if if they can kind of keep working that inside-out game that's been developing over the course of the past few weeks. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit to a topic that we touched on back in the fall, but there's been a while since we haven't talked about it, but it's back in the news because of what happened. This is the Louisville Cardinals and their basketball situation um, because of the scandal that went on back few years ago it was no it was put out earlier this week that their 2013 national championship has been taken away 123 wins collected from 2012 to 2015 and four final four appearances two final four appearances that is check that are all being taken away because of a an NCAA investigation that according to the Washington Post found that members of the coaching staff had provided strippers to recruits, and this led into the whole issue with uh, Rick Pitino. Essentially, was he fired, was he not? Of course, he's gone now. So the question here is, this is unprecedented. Taking away a national championship, taking away 123 wins. We saw it with Penn State, what they did, what the NCAA did with Joe Paterno. On first glance, when you guys saw this, or actually 
shooting our one in one video when I, I said this and we were all kind of like, oh, what do we think? What's your impression? What do you think about this? I think it's, I don't want to say uh, not a huge blow, but I, taking away the title of a national championship and taking away the title of a Final Four appearance, or in the case, two Final Four appearances, including it in the national championship run, I think it definitely affects a school. I think saying, but but I think Kevin Ware, a Louisville player who put out a tweet, kind of, he didn't really say it in a professional way, but he summed it up right, that the team still won the game. The team still won the final, made it to the Final Four. The, still, the team still has its rings. The team still won a national championship. I don't think it does a lot as reprimandation or showing this is a consequence if this happens, but I don't know what else the NCAA could have done in this case. So I'm not here to say that it was a terrible move because I don't know what else could have been better. I think you hit the wallets if you really want to make a difference. I agree with you Mm -hmm. that I don't think this does enough to show other teams that you can't do this because – you're taking away like the the name, the banner, but you're not actually taking away what happened. You and Michigan doesn't win. Away. Michigan can't exactly. say now that they won the national so championship. Everybody's still going to look at that and be like, "Oh yeah, that's the year that Louisville won." But then they took their banner away. All right, great. Um, if you really wanted to affect this team, you'd take away scholarships from the basketball program and you'd find the heck out of the school because all throughout those years, based on those marquee players, they were making tons of money off this basketball program. So that's what you would do if you really wanted to slow down this problem because another school, you know, they they do some schools do have moral ethics, not saying that all these schools are going to do this if they have the option, but some could perform this exact same thing, go to a national championship with all these marquee players that they, you know, use the Adidas money for and all these other things that we talked about before, win some national titles, make a whole bunch of money on the way there and then get them stripped and okay, we still made the money, we still have our name in the spotlight through all of those championship runs, I, I think you have to do something that actually would prevent a school from wanting to do this. And that would be taking away money and taking away scholarships, two things that inhibit the growth of a program and the growth of an athletic direct uh, athletic department overall. I agree. You, you got to go to the money. First of all, this is, in terms of the, the legacy and the name Obviously, this stinks for Louisville. You don't want to be remembered for this, and your wins and your your national championship is going away. But it's back to that idea, and I'm going to compare it to Penn State. Obviously, the situation is very different, but in terms of the NCAA involvement, in that you, you are going to punish kind of like the Penn State one, you punished the current players because they couldn't yeah. go to the bowl. Here... And that's why I don't like the yeah, postseason ban. Here, you took away all this other stuff, but what if you limited the number of scholarships they got, which is money? What if you took them away, meaning their team's going to stink for a couple of years mm-hmm. because they're all going to go to rival schools. They're going to go to Kentucky or somewhere else. Right, would, all the one and nuns are not going to go yeah, to your they're, school. They're yeah. not going. They're not going to go there. But correct me if I'm wrong. They, they, they could play. I mean, they're playing now. Yeah, no, they're right? they like win the national championship yeah, this they're, year. They're in. They're in. They had the ban last year, but they're in. And that was self-imposed. And that was self-imposed. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea of self-investigation versus uh, kind of the league above you investigation, but this is unprecedented for college basketball. The question is, do people really care about this this past stuff? Jake, what did what? We need to elaborate. Kevin Ware was the player for. I'm sure people will remember this. Who suffered the terrible injury, the compound fracture during the tournament? What did he say on social media? So again, this is not word for word, but he tweeted that he still has the championship ring, and so with that said, as far as he's concerned, he still won that game, and Louisville still won that game, which is totally correct. Just because they took away the banners, and when now when you Google who won the championship, it doesn't say Michigan, and this is the score. So I think that to say that it's taken away is really interesting. But um, Kevin Ware put that out after he lost in the injury, and he was a big rallying point. So I think that he his main message was, we still won, and we're still the winners of that game. Which is, you can't take that away, right, Amid? You, I mean, you can't take that away. It's just a matter of how do you punish him. Yeah, I mean, I think this whole thing is a whole bunch of nothing. I agree with the the money statement. Yeah, you got to hit them where it really hurts, and that's their pockets. And again, it's not like there was any unfair advantages. There wasn't steroids. There wasn't, you know, 
signal stealing or call stealing or you know like spy gate type situation there was nothing unfair here everything was happened whether it was in the dormitory or whether how they were using the money or whether you talk about um the 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 dancers or whatever uh, illegal unethical things were going on i shouldn't say illegal it's unethical but um yeah and, that, and that's wrong but does that is that enough to warrant like to take away a championship? What did he? What did one guy do that the other school didn't have the opportunity to do? This doesn't make any sense for me. It's a whole lot of nothing. So apparently, the NCAA um, they said the school can no longer publicize its national championship. Uh, they must remove all mention of vacated events from athletic department stationery. It must also take down its banners and any trophies or other team awards attributable to the vacated contest. They should be returned to the association. So does that mean that all of the players are take, getting their rings taken away? I don't know. Kevin Ware kind of denied that point. You have to come get it. Like he's, yeah, they <laughs> still have, have the it. rings there. Um, you, you're going to take away all of this, which I get, which does hit the university. I mean, the school, now you can't say, oh, look, look at that banner right there. Well, that's when we won the national championship. But they can still say, we won the national championship. I don't know. I don't, I don't see the uh, huge thing about taking all of its uh, trophies or other team awards attributable to the vacated contest. I don't really see the full value in that. Well, we're at full force here college basketball-wise, and obviously this is not going to impact what's happening with this team this season, but it's the question of how do you punish teams like this? Moving forwards, say a situation like this or similar to this happens what would you, you you guys would say something in money is the correct way to handle this? Yeah. I think that's what hits the university the hardest. That's what it runs on. That's what gets the players, and that's everything. I mean, yeah. So. Yeah, it'd be like $2 million. You're fined. <laughs> something like that. Just find, find the school or find the program? Whichever. I mean, isn't it all it, the same? I would, essentially, I would probably... <laughs> essentially, yes, but the question well, is... An I, I, I think you need to word it as program. I think it's legal wording-wise. I think you might have to put it as program, yeah, program but I think yeah. it's the school, the same the same validity each way. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. I had on my notes for today's show, guys, that the ratings were down for hockey because NHL players are not in. That may still apply for the men's. However, it does not apply for the women's. does not. Does not. I can see you're very pumped. Three to two shootout or oh, shoot, shootout win. First yeah. gold medal for the women's team since 1998. 20 years. And really, I guess you could say, I don't know if there's any question here, the peak in Olympic performances so far this season for the Americans. Disagree. American curling, Ooh. knocking Canada out the first time since 1998 or something. Canada doesn't get to play for a gold medal. This reject Olympic U.S. curling team. I don't pay attention to curling. Three years and 11 months out of the year, I don't even pay attention to anything curling has to offer. But once the Olympics come around, I am America's biggest curling fan. I am still learning the rules of the sport. It doesn't matter. The Americans beat Canada. They'll be playing for the gold medal, I believe, against Switzerland. And the team that America dubbed the Rejects has a chance to bring home the gold. I'm doing a little fact-checking here because you're correct in that that was the first time that U.S. has bumped out Canada in curling in 20 years, but hockey, I think, also 20. I think it's it's identical, and that's why last night was such a, a significant night for your U.S. fans. I think in terms of your viewership, your ratings— Curling is electrifying. Curling, curling is very fun. Electrifying. Hockey took center stage last night. I'll, I'll, give, I'll okay. give hockey. I think sure. the, I thought that game was good, too. I'm not going to take anything away from that game. It was a, it was a great game. Curling but. is such a unique sport. We talked, we touched on it last week. It's such a unique sport. So even with these, the U.S. fourth in, in medals, Norway somehow dominating with, with the limited number of athletes that they have in these Olympics. Amid, you were very excited about the hockey yeah. game last night. Mm-hmm. You, you want to elaborate more? What, what, what was so Look, impressive for you? I don't know when the last time I saw an 80-minute contest was with additional uh well you no. probably never watched one because you 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 never watched well, hockey yeah, right yeah i don't, I don't okay. think i've watched hockey in, to his entirety I, I probably missed some parts of this as well but <laughs> from the third period to the overtime 20 minute period to the shootout i watched all of it and it was great um again i i just there's obviously soccer but that's like 90 minutes straight you know that's in and out you're done in like 20 or 2 hours this game almost took 4 hours but again yeah they were down uh tied it up um, again, I, I'm sorry if I don't get the individuals' names right, but the, uh, Canada, 
put a hit on an individual on the United States team. No call there. Should have been a five-minute penalty um, from what I'm seeing on Twitter, from what the coach <laughs> of the United States was wanted. He he threw up a five right in the ref's face. He was like, I want five minutes. Um, no call there. And again, they come back and they tie it up. And then they, they put to, uh, to take it to overtime. And overtime, uh, uneventful for the most part. Um, and they were also down in the penalty shootout too. And... Jocelyn, uh, she's number 14, comes out, a little okey-doke, dance moves. I mean, you're talking about an Allen Iverson crossover. The Canadian goalie falls down like a ton of bricks, and she just puts it in the back of the net. Oh, my God. It was it was the greatest shootout also, if you, I'll put it on in there, too, that I've ever seen. It was so good to watch. Um, just 80-plus minutes of pure entertainment was great. Jocelyn Lemaru Davidson. Say, I didn't want to attempt to say her last name. French last name. Lemaru yes. Davidson. So Lemaru, yeah. She, yeah. So she scored, and then um, Maddie Rooney, the goaltender for the Blue Hens, made a stop, and and that was it for America. For America. <laughs> you said I said for Blue, the Blue Hens. Hens. <laughs> hey, for you can only hope maybe one day a Blue Hen will get there. Um, we finish our hockey season this year, but yes, for the U.S. Yeah, and that is as I as we mentioned, the first right. gold medal in women's hockey since. 1998 for the U.S. Hello, what's going on everyone and welcome to Uncaged. We're bringing you a little bit of sports, we're bringing you a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of comedy, and maybe why not a little bit of politics. Getting ready, uh, excited for the new show. You're easily a a, a tier one YMCA team at best. My man was talking spicy and then he retracted his statement. you, you can't do that. Buns. Just buns. I want to say mad buns because I like, I like the thought. Buns. Of- I think they're doing the best that they can. It's not good enough. You're listening to Uncaged. Thank you and peace out. Uncaged featuring Ahmed Quadri and Jake Lampert is available now under the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast feed wherever you download your podcast.